Father, we lift up Karen to you this morning, and we're just so blessed to have her with us, knowing that the message that she's delivering to us is your word, and we appreciate just Karen being here, and uh, so thankful that she's back with us and, and with her New Hope family. We lift all this up in your precious name. Amen. 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 All right, thank you. Sure. It's always nice to be here with you guys. I get excited to see you again. I wanted to share with you guys, um, I was like, to, you know, it's funny, the older I get, the more stories I have, and I always say, I want to share a story with you. It's like, well, you know. I get older, and I just accumulate more and more and more. But this one actually goes back to um, the early days of when Ezra and I were married. That's Ezra. He's my husband. Um, I still like him a whole lot. It's been 22, almost 23 years. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, um, one of the things that we ran into when we first got married was um, we had a little apartment. Actually, I really loved our apartment. Um, out in Pittsburgh at the Kirker Creek Apartments, and I was... I think we were about to watch a movie or something. I don't remember. It's been a long time. Details are hazy. But what I do remember is Ezra got up and went to the kitchen and grabbed himself a glass of water. And then he came back and he sat next to me. And um, I kind of looked at him and his glass of water. And I looked at, like, my hands with no glass of water. And I looked at him again. And I'm like, dude, you know, you couldn't maybe ask if I wanted a glass of water. And he kind of looked at me a little, like, surprised. And he said, well, like, I mean, you could have asked me for a glass of water. And um, what it communicated to me was it wasn't actually about the glass of water, right? It rarely is. It was about Ezra went and got something for himself, and he didn't ask me. And it wasn't really, I looked angry, um, which generally speaking, my go-to emotion is anger. So um, in that moment, what I was really feeling was hurt. It looked like anger. And... um, It was really my feelings of uh, just feeling like he'll take care of himself, but he won't take care of me. And it hurt my feelings. And it it was just like this little glass of water that he simply went to the kitchen and got, and it turned into an argument. And that's kind of what happens in life a lot, right? It's like this little interaction that turns into a big argument because it's not actually about the little interaction. There's more to it. Um, When I was in college, I studied uh, child development and psychology, and one of the teachers told us, and it's kind of a common thing you learn in child development and psychology, is that when you're working with kids, you need to give them direction. Um, If they're doing something wrong, you don't just tell them what not to do. You have to kind of follow it up with what to do. You don't just want to say stop. You want to tell them how they can go, how they proceed. And... um, like, for example, um, maybe many of you have said to your, your kids or grandkids um, or nieces and nephews, don't run in the house. Usually we follow it up with, use your walking feet or walk. Or um, don't hit, use gentle hands. Um, especially, like, I remember having little baby on my hip, and, you know, little baby hands are all over the place. And um, they slap you sometimes, whether it's on purpose or on accident. I don't know. They can get away with a lot at that age. And I remember we would take their little hand, and I would just do this and say, gentle hands, gentle hands. You know, we started off early. And uh, so, you know, we want to follow up the don't do this with what do I do then? Don't just tell me what not to do. I need to know what do I do. Um, um, Interestingly, Many of the best techniques that we implement when we're working with children, with children and the strategies that we use um, and some of the best uh, great ideas that we hear from well-known psychologists 
that are, that's good advice is always biblical. And it's not a surprise because God is the greatest psychologist that we could ever know, right? He's the author of your mind and your heart. So, of course, when we're thinking about, like, strategies and techniques, I mean, really, what better place to go than to the author of how the mind and heart works? Um, we're going to read from Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Actually, Zion, do you mind reading the scripture for us this morning? Okay, <laughs> if you could come on up. I didn't just catch her off guard. I asked in the car, hey, does anybody else want to read the scripture this morning? And it was like resounding no's. And then I was like, Zion? And she said, sure. So thank you. Yes. But then, I mean, she's, she's her mother's daughter. So even when there's prep, you're still caught off guard because, you know, it's right here. It says Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. It's just this right here. Oh, okay. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Thank you. I appreciate you. So, you notice there. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we could thank her teachers. Um, <laughs> Um, so I, you guys, if you didn't get notes, there's maybe some left on the back table, but if you have some notes there and you're a note taker or a doodler, or you just want to use them to follow along, it's just there for you. Um, what are some of the things that when we read this scripture, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, what are some of the things that we see God is directing us away from? You could go ahead and share what you notice there. What is God directing us away from? Fighting. Fighting. Negative behaviors. Negative behaviors. Hatred. Hatred. Um, away from what? Love. Oh, and. Yeah. Yeah. Anger. Anger. Say it again. Anything else? What? Pride. Uh, pride, yeah. For sure. So he tells us what, and he, it's not like secretly coded here. I mean, he says, get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. If you're not familiar with malice, I'm just going to direct over here. Malice is like ill intent. It's like what, it's when you want bad for somebody else. That's malice. Um, and then he doesn't just stop there because our great psychologist, Father God, who is, a, like we sang this morning, he is a good, good father. He tells us, what do we turn toward? So what are some of the things he says? Turn toward these things. Love, forgiveness. Love, forgiveness. Gentleness. Gentleness. Patience. Patience. Joy. Joy, compassion. Second chances. Second chances. Oh. That's a good one. So, and there's more than what's just in the scripture, right? When we read God's word throughout the Bible, he says, don't do these things, but do, do these things. These are the things we want. So we can come up with more on this list. Basically... We know that God is a good God. He's good all the time. So what is good? That's from God. And, um, you know, he doesn't just... What's interesting is I feel like the, the church as a whole, not just like the people in this room, but, you know, the great, the church, the representatives of Christ, we've somehow managed to kind of flub this up. We've, when people think of Christianity and they think of Jesus Christ, they may not think good news. Where have we gone wrong? 
People don't think synonymously God and good news. They think, oh, those church people. They're going to hate us. They're going to judge us. They're going to do all these things that are so against us, not for us. And where, where has the church as a whole gone wrong? And I think some of it is because we take half of God's direction. It's the stop doing this and stop doing that. And, you know, that's not okay. And we forget to fill it up with why. Why? Because I want love in your life. I want you to experience giving compassion and receiving compassion. I want you to know what kindness looks like when you're giving it and when you're getting it. And, but we just kind of like have done half, halvesies. There's no halvesies with God. You know, you got to do all, the whole thing. So, and he directs us how. He doesn't leave us to just figure it out on our own. Um, with our different upbringings and the things that we've experienced in life, it causes us, us each of us to have filters. And so the way that we interpret the world um, for good or bad our filters are going to affect the way that we respond to anger, to fights, to arguments. Because, you know, and this isn't a bad thing. The experiences we have in life, that is what informs how we interact with the world around us. And it's not bad. But we also have to take a pause and think about, is this my experience or their experience speaking? And um, ask ourselves, how am I going to let this affect the interaction I'm having now? Because people react differently, and sometimes we base our interactions on our filters instead of the person we're interacting with. And should we let our first initial feeling be the driving force behind how we communicate, or should we take a moment to pause and think about how we're going to respond? Because if we're basing it off of that first initial feeling when we're in an argument, it's called a reaction. And we want to kind of not react. We want to respond. A response is kind of an appropriate assessment of what's going on and clearly communicating with somebody else that's there with us. And um, does it make sense to react or does it make sense to respond? Assumptions about another person's intentions and meanings can steer us way off base, way off base. If we're projecting our thoughts and our opinions onto other people. So like I told you about that glass of water with Ezra early on in our marriage, after the argument ensued and we kind of had to like unpack a lot of stuff because we were like newly married, young couple. Um, When we got married, I was 19, Ezra was 21. Um, he, He has a great history of communication in his family for the most part, um, positive interactions. And I have a great family, love my family. Our communication, not stellar. Um, A lot of how we communicated was just through fighting everything out and yelling at the top of our lungs. And so this kind of is where my, that anger response comes from. My initial feeling is generally anger because I will feel attacked or I'll feel neglected or hurt. And so he simply just went to the kitchen to get a glass of water, sat down next to me, and I'm totally hurt. And the thing is, these are my filters that I'm projecting onto Ezra. So... In my family, um, I'm one of four kids, and the rule kind of at our house, um, I know my my family's kind of like politeness police sort of a thing, where if anybody got up and went to the kitchen to get something, the rule was you ask if anybody else wants something. So that was the requirement. So if I got up and went to the kitchen and was getting whatever, I needed to say, hey, I'm in the kitchen, does anybody need anything? 
that was kind of the responsibility on the person going to the kitchen, right? So I'm looking at Ezra like, you just went in the kitchen and didn't ask me anything. But this is based on how I was raised, right? So I kind of carried this with me for a little bit. But then um, we were visiting his family. Um, he's the second oldest of 10 kids. So we were visiting his family up in Washington. And we were sitting in the living room. And somebody went and did something in the kitchen. And all of us, and I look around because there were a lot of us sitting in the living room together. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh. If this person who just went to the kitchen said, does anybody need anything from the kitchen? They would never leave the kitchen because there's 12 people plus me, 13 people like hanging out together. So it's like this never ending thing. And in his family, it wasn't being rude. It wasn't impolite because if Ezra got up and went to the kitchen and somebody said, hey, could you grab me this from the kitchen? He would absolutely say yes. So in his family, it was ask and you shall receive. And in my family, it was, I shouldn't have to ask. So I've got my filters on, and I'm judging him based on my experiences, and that just doesn't make sense. Because if I went to the kitchen and I didn't offer him a glass of water, he could correctly assess that there was something going on. Because the way I was brought up and my you know, expectation would be, if I'm going to the kitchen, I'm going to ask you for something. So he could say, like, how come you didn't ask me? And that would be a fair question. Because that is how I grew up. But if he went to the kitchen, I can't put my filter on him, right? So if I asked him, hey, while you're in the kitchen, could you, you know, grab me whatever? And he said no then, then it's a whole new, that's a, that's a legit argument. <laughs> but <laughs> that would just be rude at that point. Um, but I was correct, I was incorrectly assessing his intention and his heart and my feelings were hurt. And that's okay. But, you know, this is how we learn and grow. We've got to learn the, the thoughts and the feelings and what's going on between two people. But if I just stayed mad and walked away from it and didn't want to talk about it, I wouldn't have learned more about his family. I wouldn't learn more about him. And so what changed for us, actually it became like this long-standing joke, actually even now, like 20-something years later, um, sometimes he'll walk out of the kitchen holding a glass of water and he'll like <laughs> look at me and look at his glass of water and look at me and be like, I got you a glass of water. <laughs> so even now, you know, where it's, it's funny because um, over time, his expectation was he makes an effort to ask me and I make an effort to ask if I need something because we, we have a better understanding of each other. Um, and now, I mean, that's like history, right? Because I, I know Ezra's heart a lot, a lot more now. We've gotten practice. We find other things to argue about. Um, (laughs) uh, the bigger picture in that situation is that his heart is for me and my heart is for him. And that's something we try to carry into every misunderstanding or disagreement or argument is the person that you're with, that you're interacting with, is their heart for you or against you? And if you feel like it's against you, maybe if we can just like walk in the assumption and try to believe maybe they're for me and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and we'll kind of walk forward from there. Until they prove you wrong. Then you can kind of reassess, right? Um, uh, what's funny is I saw a video recently. I'm not, Marty, how's that going? Is it okay? Yeah. The, okay, so the video, we, I saw this video recently. So leave it up to me to find a video that is super inappropriate to show at church. Um, it's like chock full of profanity. Don't worry. Uh, Noah helped me edit it. <laughs> so like I said, like leave it up to me. What's that? It's, it, well, it's not quite half the length, but it's, uh, he and Peel are some comedians, which most comedians are generally foul-mouthed, you know. Um, not always, but 
Kim Pilar. Uh, their comedy cracks me up, but man, so much profanity. But this clip was so perfect for what I'm talking about. So I wanted to share it with you guys. And um, we can all thank Noah for the lack of profanity in there. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, Marty's going to play this for us. trying to reach out to you all day. Are we on for tonight? Jeez. What? You can't catch me. You can't catch me. I'm once more. Touchdowns. What? Pause. Uh, shoot. Keegan's been texting me. Sorry, dude. Missed your texts. I'm assume we meet at the bar. Whatever. Let me care. Sorry, dude, missed your text. I assumed we meet at the bar. Whatever, I don't care. Whatever, I don't care. <laughs> this is problem. Do you even want to hang out? <laughs> oh, that's considered. Like I said, whatever. Like I said, whatever? This guy. <laughs> Jesus, you are surprised. don't text, you need to have a phone call so that you can, but the thing is, if you actually can successfully, when you read a text, think about who you're texting with and hear their voice rather than your own voice. I also couldn't help but notice in that video that one of them was drinking coffee, the one that was a little more hyped up, a little more excitable. Um, so uh, I thought that that video is a, like a really good example of kind of what happens. You're reading it in your own head with your own filters, and then the other person's not saying it or thinking it or even feeling it at all the same way. Um, it's uh, very beneficial in healthy communication for uh, some of us to ask ourselves some questions um, to get clarity from others. And so on the back of your notes, if you want to look at them, um, some questions that are good to ask yourself is, what am I upset about? What is the source of my frustration is what we're argu- is it actually what we're arguing about, or is it something more? Is it the glass of water? Maybe not. Um, another question to kind of ask yourself in an argument is, what filters do I have that may alter my understanding? 
your experiences, your relationships, your perceptions? Do you have any filters that could be altering your understanding of the communication that's happening right now in front of you? And what is the intention? Am I understanding them? Think about who you're communicating with and what you know about their heart. If you could hear and try to understand their perspective, not place your perspective on them, would that change anything? Am I being kind, compassionate, and forgiving? I wanted to make sure you guys knew that also means while maintaining boundaries. It doesn't mean we have to chalk our boundaries out the window or any like personal rules we have for ourselves, um, but we still having you know, kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Um, not taking jabs at another person, but also not being passive and letting them kind of run all over you. Am I being humble, gentle, and patient? Patience is probably my hardest one. Um, I was actually, Ezra and I were talking, I was like, oh, do I want to share the whiteboard story or not? I think I will. The, uh, um, we, got this, we got in another argument, crazy thing. Um, we, oh, <laughs> years later, it was still before we had kids, early on. Um, and Ezra kind of like processes through what he's thinking and feeling out loud. And I'm like, like, I want to jump to the next thing real quick. Can we like move on? Like, I don't want to hear all the side processing, but that's kind of part of his process and kind of reaching understanding. So I need to like slow down and we'll get there. Right. Well, we kept going back and forth and getting hung up and he'd say, well, you're saying this. No, I'm not saying that. I never said that. I don't know where you got that from. Or he'd say something and I'd be like, well, you're saying this. I didn't say that. I don't, where did you? So then Ezra gets out this giant whiteboard that we have and impatient me, I'm like, oh my gosh, no, (laughs) why? So he gets out the whiteboard. And so as we're kind of like working through this argument, he starts like writing things down. And um, to make a long story short, like, we started realizing, like he, like, he would write down, you know, I would say this word. And then he would say, so you're saying this. And I would say, well, that word doesn't mean that to me. What I think of when I see this word is this. And he'd say, huh, well, I think this. I'm like, oh. So then as we kind of are working through that same thing, like, well, you said this. And, you didn't. and he's like, no, I said this. And they actually, like, let's look at the actual definition because it says, we'll pull out the dick. According to Oxford Dictionary, look at like, oh. Okay. So, but we go through like and start defining terms, and we realize that what we're arguing about, we actually completely agree on. It was entirely semantics and our past experiences that we have associated with certain words that were getting us in this argument. So we, it was a like non-issue. We were. I hated the whiteboard and loved the whiteboard. It was like the most, it was a really defining moment for me because that taught us both. Sometimes when we're arguing, we actually just need to like clarify terms because different terms carry different weight with different people based on, again, experiences. So sometimes it's good to ask clarifying questions. Clarifying questions, glorious. Um, I think it's also important to know Um, as we're kind of talking about uh, communication and benefit of the doubt and forgiveness, compassion, kindness, I think it's also important to kind of give pause and say that sometimes there are people that you're going to communicate with in life and it is always going to be an argument and it is always going to be toxic. So you may be offering kindness and compassion and some people have so much built up inside of them that hasn't been worked through that it becomes a very targeted, just angry interaction. And... 
you are called to offer compassion and kindness, but you are not called to compromise your health, your safety, or your boundaries. So it is okay in those interactions. Forgiveness does not mean being railroaded by somebody. Forgiveness does not mean that you're giving permission for them to be harmful or hurtful to you. Forgiveness means I'm going to let that go, but it also can mean that you need to walk away. That is a thing sometimes that needs to happen. Um, And if you find yourself interacting with somebody on a regular basis and you're struggling with this where it's a constant attack, where maybe there's name-calling involved or put-downs and you're feeling belittled a lot, I would really urge you to seek out help in communicating with that person if it's somebody that you need to keep in communication with. Um, Get some wise counsel. It can be a trusted friend. It could be a mentor. It could be a pastor, um, a leader, a counselor, a therapist. Um, But I want to make sure that we include that in our communications, not all communications are going to be healthy, and that may not be your fault. Likewise, if you are somebody that has a lot of severed relationships, it might be good to ask, am I a toxic person? Am I taking jabs at people? And am I harmful in the way that I'm communicating? Because, again, this, I'm going to take a wild guess that the intention isn't to hurt, but there may be some stuff built up in there that needs to be worked out and, and addressed. Why am I hurting people? Why am I taking jabs at people? Why do I feel the need to belittle somebody and um, use harmful words rather than healing words? Um, because uh, in the Bible, it talks about from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's happening in the heart where our, our words are speaking? Anger, frustration, hurt. Um, some relationships break, and it's okay for you to talk to somebody about ways to have healthy communication. And, um, you know, for us to think that we can walk through this life alone and not get the help that we need, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, sometimes we just need help. We all need help. Um, But the way that God speaks to us in his word, he offers us direction. And the direction that he offers us, it's not always easy. Kindness, compassion, gentleness, respect, that does not always come easy. It does not always come easy. Sometimes, oftentimes, we have to unlearn unhealthy habits and replace them with new life-giving habits. The road can be rough, but that road through Jesus Christ is always, always worth it. Um, Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you for not just telling us what not to do, but thank you for telling us what to do. And thank you that your list of to-dos are filled with kindness, compassion, love, and that you offer that to us as well. That you don't just tell us stop doing this and then kind of look sideways or look away from us, God, but you offer us a road to redemption through your son. And I pray, God, that we would just keep our eyes fixed on you. I just lift up every heart in this room this morning, any hurt that we've ever felt, any lack of clarity, any frustration. Lord, and we just lay it at your feet. I just ask that you would fill every heart in this room with kindness and compassion and gentleness, not just toward others, Lord, but toward ourselves. Help us to forgive ourselves. Help us to treat ourselves with kindness, with gentleness, with respect. Let us feel the love that you offer us so abundantly. And let us be good news to people around us. Let us share that love. Lord, send your Holy Spirit to just fill us up. And let us share that with the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.